This is Amateur Logic episode 100 for January 15th, 2017. This episode of Amateur Logic was brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at mfjenterprises.com, and by ICOM. Make your New Year's resolution to improve your listening skills. Good evening, welcome to another episode of Amateur Logic. It's, uh, well, it's Friday the 13th when we're shooting it, this. It's been Friday the 13th all day. Well, it's been acting just like it, particularly oh. tonight. Uh, but we're finally going here. Uh, hi, Peter, how are you doing? What, wait, what's your name? Oh, hi, I'm George. Uh, and I'm Tommy. I'm Peter. And I'm Emil. There we go. Now we're all present in the county. Now we can move on. Okay. <laughs> Tommy, what have you yes, been up to? You've got on a... Yeah, I've been to foggy London town. When my son and I went over on vacation. Yeah. Had a big time. Yeah. You, did you visit the old home place while you were over there? Yeah, I did. I went to the Queen's place. Did you? Actually, How was she doing? we went to Buckingham Palace and to West... Uh, Blank. The, the castle out there. Golly. Yeah. It's been a long day, man. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about but we you? were there. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Well, we'll have to hear more about that. Okay. Peter, how has your 2017 been going so far? Very, very good. It's been very, very hot here in uh, in Melbourne. and But I've got some good news to start me off the year. I've got this, which I've received from Bill, WB8ELK. And this was featured on Amateur Logic just a few, one or two episodes ago. And uh, I hope to go and uh, start testing that later today. And then hopefully we'll fly it in a couple of weeks' time. Cool. A little yeah. balloon transmitter. Yeah, I think it was more than a couple episodes ago. I shot that at uh, Huntsville. So Huntsville, that's It was right. some, yeah. some point after Huntsville we had it in there. But, boy, that, that is a nice-looking kit in it and incredibly light. Yeah, and just before uh, anybody asks, um, if you go on the back of it, it says here... Uh, if you contact wb8elk at gmail.com, um, you can find out uh, any details about ordering those. Okay. Yeah, it's a great little... Uh, I could never in a in 100 years produce something as light and as professionally produced as that. Um, it's an amazing oh. bit of kit. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Emil, I see you made it out of the mouse house. I did make it out of the mouse house and in one piece, and I, I, I don't know that I have anything left. But I, uh, we uh, took a, the family on a vacation out there to uh, celebrate my uh, mother's birthday, and I think they're uh, bigger kids than we are still, which is a good <laughs> thing. So, uh, yeah, we had a great time and and uh, got to uh, play some ham radio while we were there and, and enjoy a good party. So. Good stuff over there. Went around the world like Tommy, except in Epcot. Yeah. Ah, okay. That's, that's a fun place, man. I haven't been down there since 
It's been yeah. a good while. I'm about past due. Yeah. Did Did you go to the uh, West other castle like like no. Tommy did? The, no. There was only well, there are multiple castles now. We walked <laughs> around, but uh, we did get to visit all you know the castles. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, 2017 for me has been interesting so far. Yeah. I've had to hike through the mud uh, for a mile to get to a transmitter site so that I could then wade through the swamp to a tower. That sounds like fun. That was interesting. You take your fishing pole with you? No, I didn't. I didn't have it packed up. I'm going to have to get me one of those pocket fishermen. There you go. Yeah. yeah. No. So any, I, any any gators or snakes chasing you around? Uh, no gators or snakes. Now, fortunately, the lightning quit long enough for me to work on the ungrounded tower. So uh, that that's always yeah, uh, something you don't want to really do when it's yeah. lightning. Speaking of snakes, I think the new technical term is danger noodle. Oh, really? Yes, yes, I've seen that. Uh, uh, it's uh, new names for animals. That's not what comes to mind. I'm still going to call it a snake. Yeah, I think I am. Too. <laughs> I'm going to stick with snake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, snake works <laughs> works better for me. Well, you know, we mentioned that um, this year we're going to we're going to release the show in two video formats and one audio format. We're dropping the old Windows Media mm-hmm. um, video formats, and we're going to have. Um, a high def version that's higher quality and smaller file size, and a H two six four version that's a little bit smaller for um, yeah. your iPads and such as that, or for those who don't want to download, you know, a, a bigger file. It's going to be better quality and smaller too. And of course, we've still got the MP three. If you were following the RSS feed. On uh, the Windows Media files, those are are not going to be updated anymore, so you need to update your RSS readers. Yeah, and uh, as a matter of fact, speaking of RSS, I'm a little bit behind on posting the three, uh, mm-hmm. the New Year's Eve stuff that you guys did. I, I wasn't, wasn't available for that, uh, yeah. but I've been gone out of town and a lot of things have been going on, so I should have those posted by in the morning. Yeah, cool. Well, let's get on into... Well, we don't have as many emails tonight, but we got some interesting ones. First one here, Tommy, I think is yours. Oh, okay. Oh, before you do that, one thing I forgot to mention that that we always mention when we start up. But what is that? The chat. Come join us over in the chat room if if you're watching. Uh, go to the URL you see on the screen right there and join the rest of us. We turned off the um, YouTube chat. Mm-hmm. Because we weren't monitoring it, and there were some uh, hijinks going on in there that probably shouldn't have been. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, come join us over there at amateurlogic.tv forward slash chat. That's any time we're streaming live. Other times, uh, we probably won't be there. We won't so, be there. But yeah. you know what? I think there's somebody always in that thing. Yeah. I've popped on just randomly, and there's usually somebody in there. Did they talk to you? No. Did you they're there. Any? Yeah. Okay. I think they just leave it logged in. Yeah. Walk off. Okay, back before that we were talking about emails and you've got one. Emails there. or emails? Emails. Me? Okay. Okay, well I'll read my email then. Okay, you're gonna make me 
do some tricky stuff here too. I got one that says, uh, this is from F1SRC. It says, Happy New Year, Bon, and then, and they, I, I'm not even going to, I'm going to butcher that. Uh, we should let email read this one. But it means Happy New Year is what it is. He's saying it in French. Uh, he, he's he's obviously from France. How do you say that, Emil? Works for no, me. not really. Yeah. And then I, I did it. I did it with Google Translate. Now I'm going to screw it up. But anyway, it says many contacts, expedition, and good radio moments for 2017. Good luck for the amateur logic. Always great. 73. Uh, F1 SRC. And that's uh, so, Michelle. Michelle. Okay. Yep. Thank you, sir. And he put a picture. You can't, oh, yeah, you go. You got it up there. Happy New Year. And it's got his call sign. Yeah, he's uh, right rerouting there. the output of 2016 over to the input of 2017. Okay. Boy, that's and a delicate operation, isn't it? You be careful. Yeah, you don't want to spill that. You could mess up the <laughs> space time continuum. So. Right. Oh, Jocelyn says I was right. He don't would cross the streams. Okay. Cool. Well, let's see. What are we going to do next? I guess, Peter, we're, we're going to do uh, your segment first tonight. Do you want to set it up? Certainly. Um, uh, uh, basically, uh, well, if you recall, a year and a half ago, uh, I went over to Huntsville and went around the world and took lots and lots of pictures. And uh, uh, I, uh, I haven't got a digital photo frame to display uh, that but uh, I, uh, I found by pure accident a way of actually um, putting together uh, effectively a digital photo frame. And uh, I thought I'd share that with you. But before I do, I'll just mention uh, um, in the segment, I, I actually just refer to it as a photo frame, but I mean digital frame, photo frame. So here we are. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again. This month, we're going to make very quickly and very simply a photo frame or a photo display. The idea is you have something like a TV or a monitor that randomly scrolls through your photos and visitors can look at the photos and comment on them. Really great idea. As I said, you can buy them, you can build them, but there's a quicker way. And I stumbled across this by pure accident, and so I thought I'd tell you about it. Now, I have had for some time a Chromecast. This is a Chromecast version 1. I found it a little bit flaky. That means it doesn't always work properly, but... Uh, Basically, most of the time it works okay. It will stream video from the internet uh, onto your TV or onto your monitor. The main thing is that you need a HDMI socket on the back of the TV or the monitor. So we're going to need an old TV uh, or an old monitor with a HDMI socket. We're going to need a Chromecast. This is a Chromecast 1, which would be relatively cheap to buy these days. But of course, they've moved on to later versions of Chromecasts. And the only other thing is you need a Facebook account with all your photos in folders uh, in the Photos section of your Facebook account. So let's get started. First, take your Chromecast, uh, apply power, and then plug it into the back of your television. I've now switched my uh, television to the HDMI input that my Chromecast is plugged into. Uh, as you can see, I've already set up my Chromecast uh, to use my Wi-Fi. And uh, as you can see also, uh, the Chromecast is scrolling through various pictures that it's pulled down off the internet. 
they're quite pretty. The way this is going to work is you can actually program what uh, the Chromecast actually displays on the television. So to do that, we're going to need to get our mobile phone and we're going to need to download the uh, Google Home app. And you should be able to find that in either the App Store or in the Play Store. Now, I want to display all the photos that I took when I went around the world two years ago. I've divided these up into a series of different albums, which I've uploaded onto Facebook uh, in the Photos section. So if you go to Photos and then Albums, uh, you can create your own albums and then just upload the photos to each of those. I'm now going to go into my Google Home app and uh, set my television or my Chromecast up. Here we go. So I've already set up my Wi-Fi. So I go here, then to Devices. There's my Chromecast. Uh, I select Backdrop Settings. And here's all the different places that the Chromecast uh, can get photos from. At the moment, it's just set to Art. So what I'm going to do is turn that off and make sure that all the other uh, places are turned off as well. Then I've already programmed in my Facebook details, which when you select Facebook, it will ask you for your details. Uh, and so I'm turning that on. And I've gone through all the subfolders on my Facebook account, which appear here. And I've selected uh, different uh, folders that I want uh, the photos of which to be displayed on the TV. And if I just take this away now and back out of it, as you can see, uh, the photos uh, from my trip around the world, that's me uh, uh, driving a boat in Amsterdam <laughs> under the bridges uh, along the canals, great fun. And uh, as you can see now, all the different photos are being randomly selected and uh, are being displayed on the TV. Uh, the other thing is also that the the photo uh, album is actually marked down here as well. So if you don't recall uh, where you took the photo, sometimes you can look at the uh, album name and that will help you. And that, of course, is Disneyland in Hong Kong. So there you go. A quick and easy way to put together a uh, photo uh, frame uh, for displaying your photos to your friends. Okay, Peter, that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's cool and simple, and uh, uh, it's uh, you, you can set that up in uh, your spare room or your living room, and uh, when you've got guests over, uh, just leave it running in the background, and they'll ask a few questions, and it's a great uh, conversation starter. Cool. Yeah. Cool, yeah. Well, I've got a email here that came from our friend Elliot, K1MF, and he sent me some pictures here. He said, okay. don't... The last time college, you were talking about antennas, and attaches some pictures of WNEW radio now, WBBR. Here they are. This first one here, he said the site needed to be removed in the mid '60s to make way for an extension for Interstate I-95. The antennas, as you can see, needed capacity hats to electrically lengthen the towers for residents after they had a frequency change. He said they are one quarter wave spaced and you see those things hanging off the top there mm -hmm. that's electrically lengthening the antennas one of my AMs a 50 kilowatt the towers are actually too short for a quarter wave so what they're using is the top set of the guy wires go down 
they connect directly to the tower, and then they go down a certain distance, and there's insulators there. So they're acting the same way as they are in this photo right here. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, stop loading it. Are, uh, those, are those efficient? I don't like them as well as, you know, a regular quarter way, but, you know, they they work. Here's a Westinghouse 50H transmitter, uh, their main unit, 50 kilowatts. That's a big transmitter. Uh, you know, my, my 50 kilowatt station now, our transmitter is solid state, and it's about the size of just two of those cabinets, not, oh, yeah. you know, not all of those, less than half the size of that. And the brand new ones are half the size of the one I've got. Oh, wow. So they've really shrunk them down a lot. The picture of the equipment, uh, everything's in duplicate. There was a Westinghouse 10-kilowatt backup. Uh, you can see that oh. way back there in the background. The station was owned by Metro Media at the time, along with WNEW-FM and WNEW-Channel 5 New York. Uh, now that is uh, WNYW owned by Fox, and WNEW-FM is owned by CBS. Thanks for those photos there, you know. Yeah, I, those are cool. Being an old broadcaster, I like to go back and, you know, look at... Yeah, yeah, that's, that's neat cool. stuff, man. Yeah. Pretty, really neat. really is. Well, what are we going to do next here? Oh, I think it's uh, time for you to tell us how to increase our security. Yeah, you know, I've got... You know very well, because yeah, you're the first one that told me. I, I my didn't Skype click on account it. got compromised. Yeah. And uh, so I went through and secured it. And I actually have other people, like I mentioned in my segment, that that have the same problem. And I've told them, but they don't really seem to do anything about it, or they're just changing the password. So um, I made a little segment about how to kind of tighten that up. Okay. Hopefully some people will follow it. Today we're going to do something just a little bit different. I recently had my Skype account compromised. Someone logged in from India and sent spam messages to everyone in my contact list, which is quite long. I use Skype a lot. And anyway, I needed to secure it. So the common sense thing would have been to add another password or change my password and make it more complex, which it already was a fairly complex password. But Microsoft has another level of security. And I'm going to show you that today. Some of you have compromised accounts and don't realize it. I have quite a few contacts in my list for Skype. And I have a bunch of them that constantly send me spam messages like that through Skype all through the night. Knowing good and well they're not awake. I bring it to some of their attention. And I think they changed the passwords or whatever, but it still happens again. So... I went ahead and implemented this security for mine, and I haven't had any more problems. So let's take a look at how to accomplish that. First thing we need to do is go to this URL here, account.microsoft.com forward slash account. And we'll sign in. And I want to do that so I don't have to keep typing it. Let's see if we can tell if anybody's been into your account. Let's go to the security tab up here and review activity. And you can see I've successfully logged in. Um, down here, here's one unsuccessful login that came from Mexico, January the 4th. I know good and well I wasn't in Mexico on January the 4th. So someone tried to actually get in then since I've implemented this two-stage security. 
and failed. Now you can see these other ones. This is where I was playing around. I did an unsuccessful login. I, I changed my password, obviously, and then had quite a few successful logins. And it shows you where they're from. If I look at this one of Mexico, it brings up a map and you can see the actual area that it was, uh, that it happened in. So the one that actually sent all the spam messages to my contact list was from India. So keep an eye on this list right here. We go back into our security, more security options. And we're going to go through here and set up two-stage security. I'm going to go ahead and turn mine off for now. It's off for me. So let's go in and turn it back on. Set up two-step verification. And it's telling us what, what's going to happen here is I'm going to set it up to use my phone. One prerequisite for this is make sure you have up-to-date security info so you can receive security codes. What's going to happen is when we turn this on and I try to log in, it's going to send a text message to my phone with a number that I need to type in to authenticate or to make this a trusted machine. After that, I won't have to do it often. Occasionally, it'll pop back up and ask me to do it again if it's been a long time since I logged in, but I'm okay with that. This option's a little bit of a hassle, but once you get it set up the first time, it's really not a problem. So there's a few things that we're going to have to have. We're going to have to have our phone number tied to our account. Uh, they don't send you a bunch of junk on there. I haven't had any crank calls or anything since I've given my phone number. But that number is going to get text messages for you when to log in. Uh, the next thing, you can also set up an authenticator app similar to this one in the Google Play Store here. This is Microsoft's app, and it'll go through and send you uh, codes or numbers that you type in when you attempt to log in to make this a trusted machine. After that, you don't have to enter them all the time. After a period of time, it'll ask you to do it again. Um, and I'm okay with that. It's not, not really a hassle. Let's go back over here. And the other thing is you're going to create app passwords for certain things. So, for instance, I check my Hotmail or Outlook.com now account on my iPad. So I need a special password for that uh, because the application doesn't know to prompt you to enter that code. And it'll create a long kind of a complex password for you that's sort of a bunch of random gibberish. But if you copy and paste that into your app, it's no problem. So I'm going to uh, go ahead and go through the next step. And I'm going to skip doing the app. This is where you can set up one of the applications. I prefer the text messages. This is where you want to create app passwords. And you can go back and do this after the fact. I'm not going to do it right now because of time. Um, these are other things that you're going to need a password for. If you use an Xbox 360 uh Outlook for desktop on your computer, so forth. And make sure that you changed your password recently. Okay, that was pretty easy. It's actually done. And I just got a text message from Microsoft saying, make all your apps and devices work with two-step verification. So I'm good to go. So now let's go and log in to Skype. And there's my Skype name.
and my password. And it wants to send me a text message. So it's got my cell phone number there. It wants the last four digits to confirm that I actually know what my cell phone number is, which is... Uh, And now it's going to send me, it just sent me the text message. And I'll type the number in. And there we go. I'm in. So some of the other Microsoft things that you use may prompt you for that or send you a text message, but if it doesn't work like that, you'll need to go in and generate a password. So that's, that's pretty easy. Um, I would encourage you to go through and, and maybe go through those steps and set up your two-step authentication for your Microsoft account. So many people have those Hotmail accounts hacked, uh, the Outlook.com accounts hacked, and Skype accounts hacked and attempt to stop it and and it just doesn't and I know a lot of people just don't go through and do the research to find the solution but it's it's been pretty foolproof so far and uh, pretty happy with it it's a little painful once you turn it on uh, but once you get through getting things authenticated the first time it's really worth going through the extra hassle 73 Maybe I need to check into that. Yeah, it's worked really well. Yeah. I saw somebody posted a link to somebody that said they were hacked six times in one day. But wow. I, I didn't read all of it yet, but I doubt they had the two-stage security turned on. Yeah. It's, it's been good so far. Uh, uh, Tommy, uh, I've got a question. Uh, regarding the... I've got a little bit of echo here. Sorry, uh, George. Uh, my question is, um, you're using an Apple computer, whereas I would have thought that this would have worked with Microsoft Windows. So it does can, work even with an Apple? You can log into your Microsoft, into your Skype account from any computer. From There's a browser version of it now. Okay. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Are you just logging into, the, into their server? Okay. Yeah, there's... There's quite a balance there, Tommy, between, you know, security and convenience, right? So the two-factor authentications and the multi-factor stuff gets aggravating, but as you can see, it's a necessity in most cases. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be pretty hard for them to get around that because it has to send it to my phone, to my number that I have in my pocket to get authenticated. I don't think that anybody's going to get around that. They, they may, you know, there's always a way around something, but... Right now, it's been pretty good, so. Yep, it's a balance. Yep. Okay, cool. Well, I'm going to have to look into that, look a little further. Don't be sending me any spam messages from India. I wouldn't, but you sent me one, so <laughs> I, I, I bought so you I one. I guess you owe me one, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's have a message now from our good friends over at MFJ Enterprises, and we're going to do this live tonight. Ah. You know, MFJ's got more ham radio accessories than anyone else in the world, and we've got three of them right here to look at tonight. Yeah. The first one here is the new MFJ digital SWR watt meters that display forward, reflected power, SWR, and battery life all in a single glance. It's got a large half-inch forward power digits and 5 eighths uh, reflected in SWR digits. 
the LED screen is two and a half inches diagonally. It's got power on and off on it, uh, backlight on and off switches, and they've also got an included micro USB cable, so you could power it off of uh, USB power if you wanted to. This is the MFJ845. That covers uh, 1.6 to 60 megahertz. This one you were looking at right here. Uh, it's good to 200 watts. They also have the MFJ847. That covers 125 to 525 megahertz with 120 watts. Oh, cool. The next one is the MFJ200A inductance and capacitance multimeter. It's easy and accurate. Runs on four AA batteries. They've also got a 5.5 volt AC adapter. And... As well, they've got a uh, mini USB connector that you can power that one off USB. So three different ways to power it. Let's just check something here with it. We'll put this over on, uh, well, let's put it on capacitance first. We'll zero our meter here. We'll short the leads together. Hold the zero button. It's calculating. It says OK. All right, so let's check a capacitor. How big would you say that capacitor is without without looking, Tommy? Uh, there we go. It's got to be a thousand microfarad. Nine hundred and sixty-seven microfarad. So yeah, yeah. right out a thousand. Awesome. It's also good for measuring inductors. Uh, really quick and easy on that as well. Let's flip over to inductors here. I happen to have one handy. Based on uh, that inductor, what would you say that? Uh, that one's going to be, Tommy. Man, 0.9? Uh, yeah, it's 0.9 uh, millihenries. Uh, so cool. pretty close on that, too. Uh, this thing has a microcontroller in it, and it's just a you know, a good, quick way to measure yeah, inductors like a, and capacitors. It's like a handy little device to have in the, sh in the uh, shack. And one other meter we want to show you here. This is the MFJ DM55-1. It's a handy digital AC voltmeter for measuring from 80 to 200 volts. It's got uh, big three-quarter inch digits on it there. It's uh, backlit, and it's accurate to uh, plus or minus 1.5%. And, you know, that, that'd be handy to have in your rack or, uh, you know, in your equipment room there next to your gear. See. Mm -hmm what kind of power you're getting. You know, I, I noticed a while ago, whenever we turn on that air conditioner, it drops a little bit. Oh, yeah? How yeah. much? Uh, it dropped three volts. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So, uh, apparently, I could use a little bigger cable coming yeah, out here as a like studio. A smaller air conditioner. Smaller air conditioner. No, I don't think that would yeah, work. I don't think that's going to work either. <laughs> you know, MFJ's got more ham radio accessories than anyone else in the world. These are just three of them. Go to mfjenterprises.com. Check them out. There's just a lot of them there. Had way too many for us to cover. But, you know, every month we try to have another new MFJ product that oh, yeah. we haven't talked about before. Yeah, and I don't think we'll ever cover all of them. No, there's no, no way we could. Yeah. I've got a nice one in a box back here, though, that I hope I can uh, get out and... Uh, do some testing on this one before oh, long. Cool. Yeah, new antenna. So uh, thanks, MFJ, for sponsoring Amateur Logic. Couldn't do it without you. You've got a Facebook post for us tonight, don't you? 
I do. Um, uh, Matt Bauman, uh, N9NMH. Um, looks like he was uh, flying the uh, uh, ALTV colors in uh, Lambeau Field in uh, Green Bay, uh, Wisconsin. So uh, Looking good, Matt. Shout out to Matt. Yeah. Yeah, that's my buddy Matt. I saw uh, he came by and picked me up in Dallas one time. I went and had dinner with him. Really? Yeah, great cool. guy. Uh, nice looking shirt. Speaking of best dressed hams, we've got another one here. All right, Who's that guy from the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> Speaking of castles, you asked me about the castles. There you go, right on Main Street. Yeah. There, George. And you were representing well, man. <laughs> we had a good time. Yeah, it looks like you did. I'm wearing mine to the Ham and Ham Fest next weekend. Really? Yep. Yeah, you are going down there. Yeah. You going to be there, Emil? Absolutely. You going to represent? I am. And uh, it looks like um, uh, John, uh, KC5KWZ, who's in the chat room, is going to be over there, too. So cool. So to have a good one. I think uh, Wayne KG5RE may be going. Oh, great. Awesome. Uh, he asked me about it. I'm I'm not planning on going right now. My wife's going to go with me. We're going to go down and uh, have late Christmas with some family down that way and Mm -hmm. and stop by and do uh, the ham fest also. Cool. Well, Emil, what is your segment on this month? Uh, my segment is uh, on the uh, getting the most out of your uh, Wi-Fi um, uh, setup. You know, the propagation at 2.4 gig and 5 gigs can be interesting. So I figured I'd put together of, uh, a list of cheap old man approved <laughs> uh, tools that I use to uh, kind of straighten that out. Hello, George, Tommy, and Peter. In this episode of Cheap Old Man Minutes, I'm going to show you how to get the most out of your Wi-Fi. There will be three phases to this project, assessment, adjustment, and testing. On the Windows front, I chose to use the acrylic Wi-Fi home software because it's free. And it shows me the properties, signal levels, and other information that I might be able to use to identify the networks in my area. On the Raspberry Pi front, I chose to use the command line interface WaveMon utility, which does the same. For my mobile platform, I also chose the Wi-Fi Analyzer tool for the uh, mobile, or Android in this case, which you can get from the Google Play Store. And finally, I used my Ubiquities, uh, the PowerBeam AC utilities and software to supplement as needed. So as you can see here, I took one of my repo claws to laptops, which only has a 2 gig or 2.4 gig Wi-Fi in it. And I ran acrylic on it, and as you can see, the software lets you see the surrounding uh, networks, Wi-Fi networks, WAPs, that are in range of this uh, PC and antenna, and uh, you can see the properties of them. Uh, More importantly, the channel that they're on, uh, both in number and visually down here, as well as the signal strength. So the idea is to get the target, your target network, your network, um, with the lowest possible uh, number there on the meter uh, because that's going to have the greatest signal to noise ratio on it. So this is the software on the Windows end that I chose to use and uh, got it to work. I lowered one of my signals here on a, on a table that I use from about 50 to 60 all the way down into the 40s uh, just by doing 
minute movements um, of the actual device and looking for other obstacles and things worked great. See now on the Raspberry Pi I use the uh, command line driven application of uh, WaveMine. It does have kind of like the old DOS feel, uh, Windows feel uh, to it, but uh, I do want to mention that you should run it as sudo because it does need access certain permissions to the actual uh, devices and other uh, functions. The here you see the scan, which shows you the same thing as the other software, except this is running off the Pi channel information, uh, app or WAP information, and there's also a more real-time signal level or link quality meter here. And simply put, I use this. You can see here is a graph of history of that signal level. You use this to find that spot. Sometimes with minute uh, movements of the actual device, and you can see you can increase that signal there. You can see it kind of going up as I move it to find the, an optimum spot for it to be uh, to get a good signal. Um, so WaveMon. And finally, on the Android device, I'm using the Wi-Fi analyzer. Of course, it does uh, both bands, 2.4 gigs and 5 gig. And as you can see here, there's actually a slider on the top that allows you to see because the, the 5 gig band is a much bigger band. And there are signals as people start to proliferate Wi-Fi and change devices over to 5 gigs. You can see here, so I've actually moved one of my signals away from one that kept popping up. It also does the 2.4 gig side. And the trick there is just to find somewhere that's not as populated with a stronger signal so that you can uh, get in there. So uh, that's Wi-Fi Analyzer for the Android series of devices. And finally I was using the uh, Ubiquities AirView or AirOS tools to uh, get a feel for what was out there for my point-to-point -point links. They're normally three to four pieces with their own borders that make up a network. In this case, we have uh, show a WAP, a router, a firewall, and there's also a switch that's not shown in this diagram. Uh, our focus for this segment is going to be on the wireless access point and its configuration. Using the information that you gather from the assessment phase, you're going to adjust the channels, you're going to adjust the stations themselves for placement, and you're going to try to move them in uh, very small increments or small adjustments in all three dimensions to get the best possible signal. There are way too many brands to list out on procedures on how to do this, but here's just a few screenshots from the major brands of router, uh, WAP switch, firewall combination devices. Your LAN speed and your internet connection speed are two different things. Know what yours should be in order to uh, get the proper results. Internal testing simply means testing from one node to another node on your local area network or within your house or building, for instance. Most of those tools will be built in already to what you have. External testing means testing between a node that's on your LAN and a node that's on the internet outside of your house or building. And there's many websites, there's tools for this that can be all obtained, of course, for free. I personally perform these procedures several times in a year because there's always a new neighbor 
or IoT devices interference coming from somewhere else uh, with the proliferation of wireless everything today. That's pretty cool stuff, Emil. I've I've used the uh, the Wi-Fi analyzer on my Android phone before. It's a pretty nice little tool. Oh yeah, it's very visible. It'll let you see what's around, and more importantly, uh, it will show you pretty much in real time your connection signal. That's why I like the. Uh, I did some searching on the Pi, and uh, that one really surprised me, that little command line yeah. uh, tool, and uh, it worked great. I'm going to look into that one check it out. Yeah, I need to do some, some checking on my network. You know, I haven't really uh, done any kind of performance testing or anything like that. Okay. I, I bet you'd be surprised to see what's around you nowadays. You know, when I first got my uh, the Linksys 5 gig um router there wasn't anybody else around here but all of a sudden you know <laughs> there's four or five mm-hmm. now and and sure enough i had to move uh one of mine out of the way because the neighbor right next to me uh popped yeah. up so i've got a dual band uh two two point four and five gig and the, the five gig it's it's faster but the range is much less yeah so much it's much much less really and that's why I like these tools, especially, you know, the acrylic. I'm, if you noticed, I was actually loading them on the machine, on the device. So you're seeing that signal in real time. So you can make those little minute adjustments I was referring to. Uh-huh. And uh, you'd be surprised how much that inch made. Oh, yeah. Or even turning the device sideways, you know, uh, these antennas are small. Oh, yeah. You know? it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of akin to your handy talkie. You got no signal and you can move right well. Ear to hear and 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 get full scale signal. Yeah, yep. so works the same way with your Wi Fi. Yep. Good good work there and cheap too. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, it all was of it was the right price for <laughs> absolute certain. You know if it's coming from me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll be back in just a moment because we've got uh, more to go. But first, a message from another one of our sponsors, ICOM. Are you in need of a good New Year's resolution? How about improving your listening skills? ICOM has an array of radios to help you stick to your resolution all year long. Base stations, mobile transceivers, handhelds, and more, ICOM has all the equipment to make 2017 the best year yet. Coming soon, the ICR8600 will bring your listening skills to a new level. Start the new year right with this new communications receiver. Ultra-wide frequency coverage, real-time spectrum scope, and a large 4.3-inch color touchscreen display. Now available, the ID51A Plus 2 provides new models for extended D-Star coverage. Available in five colors, the ID51A Plus 2 allows you to listen wherever you go. Terminal and access mode, send and receive text messages and pictures, DV fast data mode, and easy FM repeater settings. Ideal for the contester on the go, try the IC7300. It's a high-performance, innovative HF transceiver with a compact design. The real fun starts here. RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope, and SD memory card slot. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on all the great ICOM radios. Tonight, Tommy, I'm going to uh, talk about little transmitters. All right. And when I say little transmitters, I, I do mean little. Uh, first, I've, 
Well, we're going to kind of do this half live and half Memorex. <laughs> so the first thing I want to tell you about is, um, the, well, the little modules that I'm using here. These are 433 megahertz. Uh, it's a transmitter and receiver pair. I bought these at the Huntsville Ham Fest uh, back last year. And I finally got around to doing some playing with them this week. I remember when you were, you told me you got those things. Yeah. Here's a little transmitter right here. There's three pins on there. And you can see the the one on the left on the transmitter is connected up to uh, pin number four on my Arduino. center one there is plus five volts. And the one on the right is connected to ground. So just... Three connections there. If you zoomed in and you looked real hard at that left connection on that transmitter, it is labeled ATAD. What do you think that means? ATAD. <laughs> that's what you would think, isn't yeah, it? That's exactly what I would think. <laughs> but it's it's not ATAD. <laughs> it's data spelled backwards. No way. Yeah. Well, I be. Yeah. So I I don't know why, but. <laughs> that's the way they labeled it. It, it could be. It's a data. Yeah. Uh, maybe because Your it's a receiver. I, I don't know. Pin 4 from the Arduino to the pin 1 on the transmitter there is a data connection. Uh, then on the receiver, it's a little bit bigger module. The left-hand pin there is our voltage input. And I found that it worked better off 3.3 volts than it did off 5 volts. Okay. And not sure why. Did it call Did it call for five? It, you know, that's the thing about these uh, cheap little uh, Arduino modules and, and all that you can find around. There's very little. They, they don't come with any documentation. Huh. And you just kind of kind of search the Internet, and sometimes that's kind of hit and miss. Just start putting voltage on it and see what works. Yeah. And don't let the smoke out. Yeah. I saw where somebody else had tried uh, five and 3.3 and 3.3 worked better. Okay. So I tried it, and sure enough, it did for me, too. So I think maybe because the receiver was a little too hot. Your little transmitter is not much there, is it? Just a little oscillator? Yep. Two little inductors there? Yeah, we'll look at it in a minute. Cool. A little bit closer, but uh, anyway, so back to the receiver there. Pin one on the receiver is 3.3 volts. The two center pins there, two and three, are both data pins. Those are disconnected in parallel, so I just connected to one of them, and I'm running that into analog input zero on the Arduino. And then the last pin, pin four on that receiver, goes to ground on the Arduino. That's basically the hardware here. We can look at uh, my crude implementation here. It's pretty crude. <laughs> I like the speaker. Yeah. The medicine bottle, medicine bottle speaker. Reminds that, me, I need to take my vitamins today. Yeah. Do <laughs> you have a prescription for that? <laughs> no, but it was cheap. Oh, now you're talking. <laughs> okay, so I've, I've got the two Arduinos, and I've got my little transmitter module here. And as, uh, as Tommy said, there's not much on it. It uh, looks like a transistor there, and then just a couple inductors. However, there's a few surface mount parts on the back side oh. of it. But uh, for the antenna, you know, I've just got uh, what calculated out to be about a quarter wavelength of wire sticking straight up. And then another one out is a ground radial. 
And then the receiver I've still got on the breadboard here. And uh, there it is. Same kind of antenna setup. Just a, a little piece of Cat5 cable cut to a quarter wavelength. And I've got a speaker connected to the Arduino as well. So what I'm going to be sending, well, let's just look at the video here and then we'll come back and test this okay. thing out. Now let's take a look at our source code. Our Arduino skits called CW Transmitter is going to set up a few parameters here at the top. We're going to create a long variable, call it ID interval, and set it to equal 5,000. Then we've got three integers here we're going to define. Key pin will equal 4. This is the digital output pin that's going to be connected to the input of our transmitter. LED pin equals 13. We could connect an external LED to pin 13 of the Arduino, but 13 also feeds the LED that's built onto the Arduino, so that's convenient. Another integer, words per minute, we're going to set that to equal 5. Then we've got three floating point variables here, one for dit, da, and character space. Now, anytime the Arduino is booted up, it begins by running this setup function right here. The first thing we're going to do is set the two pins we defined above to be outputs. Then we've got an algorithm here for the length of our dit variable. And this is maybe not perfect, but it's the uh, closest thing I could come up with. I'm taking 1, dividing that by words per minute, divided by 2.4, and then multiplying that by 100. And that should give me the length of a dot character in milliseconds. And then for the dashes, we're just saying da equals dit times 3. And the spacing between characters will be the same length as da. The loop section of the program here runs continuously the whole time that the Arduino is running. The first thing it's going to do is just pause for a length of ID interval, which was 5,000 milliseconds. Then we're going to send my call sign one character at a time, W5JDX. That's going to call subroutines below. We'll look at in a moment. After that, we're going to do a digital write to the pin that's keying our transmitter, and we're just going to set it to low to be sure that the transmitter is unkeyed. Now we look down below here. Here are the characters of my call sign. A W is going to send a dot, and then a dash, and then another dash, and then it's going to delay for the length of character space. We've got all the other characters for my call sign down here. Now, we could have put the whole alphabet here, but these are all that I included. Uh, right above that, though, we've got the routines set up for a dot and a dash. Those will be called from the individual characters. For a dot, we're doing a digital write to our key pin and our LED pin. We're setting both of those to be high. Then we're going to delay for the length of dit, which is the length of our dot, and then we're going to do a digital write to key pin and LED pin again, setting them to be low, and we're going to delay for the length of dit plus 50 milliseconds. Now, the dash is essentially the same thing. The only difference is we're delaying for the length of da. Now, let's take a look at the receiver code. I think you'll find it's quite a bit shorter. At the top, we're going to initialize some variables here. They're all integers. 
Receive pin will equal A0. That means analog input 0 on the Arduino. LED pin, we're going to use 13 again, so we can just use the onboard LED. Speaker pin, we're going to hook a speaker to digital pin 8, and the other side of the speaker, of course, will go to ground. And we're going to set an ID pitch to equal 600 hertz. And then we're going to initialize a data variable. This will just hold the data that's received. And we've got a couple of others here. Upper, we're going to set that as 100 being the threshold above which we're going to consider high. And we're going to set one called lower. We'll put that at 50. Anything below that, we're going to consider as a low. Then the setup section, as with the last code we looked at, this will execute whenever the Arduino fires up. We're setting the pin mode for the LED pin to be an output. And we're going to start a serial terminal this time at 9600 baud so that we can see the data as it's coming in. And then here's the loop section that continuously runs. At the top, we're saying data will equal an analog read on the receive pin. That means whatever is coming in on receiver pin, analog zero, we're going to call that data. If it's greater than upper, which was 100, then we're going to do a digital write to the LED pin setting it high. It'll turn on our LED. And then we're going to send a tone out the speaker pin. That'll be our ID pitch, which was 600. If data is less than lower, which was 50, then we're going to do a digital write to the LED pin, setting it low to turn off the LED. And we're going to send no tone to the speaker pin, which essentially mutes it. And then at the bottom of the loop, we're going to print to the serial port whatever data happened to be. I've already uploaded my sketch into the transmitter Arduino. Now let's do it for the receiver Arduino. We'll just hit the button here. It compiles it real quick, and then it uploads it to the Arduino. Now let's watch it run. And you saw I included a link there where you could you know, that was, download that was the source. That was some nice looking code you had there. Yeah, well, the, the bottom part of the transmitter, yeah, that yeah. was stolen from N5Z. <laughs> <laughs> I did some custom mods on it. That, yeah, you I, know, I did. So there were some changes that, in there. A few changes in it. But yeah, I'd, see, I'd stole that and used it <laughs> once before for something. Yeah, that's okay. That's but, what uh, it's out there for. Yeah, it, it was. Um, Workable code, I think we're going to find out. Well, we'll see. All right, so here's, well, let's take a closer look. Here's our transmitter. And, you know, I, I got it hooked to the LED to flash there, and it's flashing out my call sign. So it's transmitting now. It's transmitting now. It's in So want me to power, power up the receiver? Yeah, let's, let's power that receiver up there. You've got a 9-volt battery. And you can see it's like the, black magic, man. the LED on the receiver. Yep. Can you see it? It's flashing too. Yep. Let me see if I can tip it up a little bit so the, oh. so up the speaker. Yeah. There it goes. Can you see it on camera? Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. We so, get about half a mile with that. <laughs> Man, I 
I couldn't get the width of this table with this thing. Really? Yeah. Who crashed? That must be the pause. Uh, it probably didn't receive it. Oh. So, yeah, it probably got stuck. Well, let's disconnect there. Now, you know, all I did was um, use some code there that that I wrote, along with some that you wrote, and just made it send CW. But that's not all that this little module will do. There's um, There are libraries out there that you can download for it. There's one that does packet radio. Oh, yeah? A, a type of packet radio. And um, there's about three or four libraries you can get for this thing. I didn't try any of those. In case you want to do packet across the table? Yeah. Uh, seriously, you know, you get more than a foot apart, and uh, you, you don't know if you're going to get be able to make the call or not. <laughs> <laughs> I did get about five feet with it one time. I think part of the problem is my antenna's here. You know, although I cut that for a quarter wave at uh, 433 megahertz, it didn't work at all till I put that ground radial on there. Oh, yeah? And then I found out I have to point that radial to... Uh, it, it makes a big difference on... You have to plug into on, the speaker? <laughs> no, you don't have to <laughs> plug it straight in. <laughs> but... Uh, well, it looks like a fun project. Yeah. I bet you had a good time putting it together. Uh, I've read where some folks have been getting, you know, maybe 30 feet or so out of it. Oh, Maybe cool. a little, you could do a little better with the right antennas. But, you know, I'm not sure that this is ultimately what it needs for an antenna because, you know, uh-huh. it's not necessarily 50 ohms on these things. I have no idea. And I, I really couldn't find any information on antennas. Maybe you could have went with a half wave. Still uh, would have yeah. only been here. Yeah, I should have done a five-eighths. Yeah. No. I'm telling you, you invented a new mode of propagation. Both of y'all did. The T-layer across the table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it worked. I mean, you saw yeah. it. The wires weren't touching there. there you know, it's a good, oh, I don't know, three inches between there. <laughs> but yeah. uh, but was, yeah. it, was it fun? Did you have a good time? It, it was fun. I did it all in an evening, um, so it, it didn't take long to put together. Uh, you could do a lot more of this, and I'm sure you can get a little better range than, than a couple uh, I'm, of feet. I'm sure you probably could, just have to tinker yeah. around with it. Now, you could you could build a cantina. Uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, it'd be a pretty good-sized uh, can. Medicine bottle with some aluminum foil in it. Yeah. Um. You know, this is operating in the unlicensed band, so you really, you know, I just couldn't find any information on what is even a legal antenna for it, you know. Yeah. But um, I, I'm sure I'm not going to run into any kind of much, FCC if problems. If you get much more ranging across the table, you could have guys with the dark suits knocking on your door, man. Well, maybe so. But uh, it, it was fun, and I think, you know, maybe I'm going to do some experimenting with it. I did not look, you know, if you saw my code, I call it keen every time I send a high to this thing. Mm-hmm. This is, I believe this is an AM transmitter and receiver. So I'm not sure. There may be a carrier going the whole time, so keen might not have been the right term yeah. for me to use in there. Um, but I'm going to pull out my spectrum analyzer, and I'm going to do some tests with this thing. 
And I might do a little antenna experimenting. And, That'd be interesting. You know, maybe you can enhance it. Yeah. So uh, that that seems like a you know a good radio topic offshoot for this. Uh-huh. And at the end of each month, it's Amateur Logic's Ham College, the new show for those new to the hobby and those wanting to get into amateur radio. Which of the following is a purpose of the amateur radio service, as stated in the FCC rules and regulations? That inductor and capacitor form a tuned circuit. That's how you tune the radio to the frequency that you want. The English language. We lived in town. I liked it. I, I listened to mine a lot. It was really cool because you didn't have to have a battery to power yeah. There's our homemade telegraph station. We can use it for long-distance communications. Oh, like, uh, what, three feet yeah, here? across the table. The answer is B. Voltage was named after Italian physicist Alessandro Volta. We can see we're generating a little bit of electricity there. It's DC. It's always great to go back and get a refresher. It well, sure is. A lot of that stuff, if you've been a ham for a while like we have, you, you don't really think about a lot of that stuff that often. They didn't have electric screwdrivers in those days, so that's why we're not using one. That's why we went primitive with it. Yeah. So let's see if we can hear anything when we, uh, we fire off our spark gap transmitter. Well, we didn't build anything or blow up anything today, but um, the night's still young. We've moved them apart here. I've got the transmitter right here. At least the spark gap transmitter made heat too. Yeah, so we could keep the room warm. We're getting a there. We got a good three feet out of it now. The conditions are just right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Must yeah. be a band opening. Uh, yeah. I think the band is open. There must be a bit of biospheric yeah. uh, reflection going on. That's got to yeah. be it. The, the, the lights are heating up the table. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's you working. Have table spots? Well, it's pretty neat. Yeah. Huh? You have table spots? Yeah, table spots. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one experiment I did do with it, you can go ahead and kill it now, is... Um, I tried for the data input in it. I hooked up an audio oscillator and I ran a square wave into it. And it is, it, it is a data transmitter of, of some type because if I tried a sine wave, I really couldn't do much with it. When I ran a square wave into it, if once I reached a certain level, I would receive it on the receiver over there. I, I could hear it coming out. I hooked a speaker up to the receiver. Oh. But anything below that, and it just shut off. And it wouldn't get any louder. You'd just like you'd hit a level, and then it just, you know, that was it. Oh, so you can hook the speaker straight up to the receiver? What, well, I, what's I the hooked purpose a, of the Arduino? I hooked an amplified speaker to it. Oh. Uh, well, this is not sending a tone. That's just like sending a high. Oh, okay. Uh, so, you know, it's sending high and low pulses. Now, I guess I could, at an audio rate, yeah, I, you might, well, I did. I mean, <laughs> that's essentially what I did is I hooked an amplified speaker to it and just listened to it. But it's like it's a on or off. Uh-huh. So I had to use a square wave and get it to a certain level, and then it was, you know, okay. sending a tone then. So you couldn't, like, modulate it with voice or something like that. It wouldn't wouldn't work very well for that, but... You know, I'd hope for uh, some type of data application. I maybe get uh, 20 or 30 feet out of it. I don't know. You know, like maybe one of these uh, outdoor thermometers. 
or you know oh, something yeah, like that. Cool. Yeah, a lot of a lot of interesting things you could do there, possibly. Yeah, if we get the range up a little bit, then yeah, do some stuff with it. It's neat, neat little toys, though. Yeah. How but, much were those little? Uh, you know, I don't remember now. I'm sure it was under ten dollars. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't remember exactly cool. how much it was. I bought up, you know, a whole pile of uh, mm-hmm. little modules um, at Huntsville from Nightfire Electronics. It's vakits.com, I believe, is their oh, web address. I'll write that down. Check it out. But I've got some others, you know. I haven't, mm-hmm. I haven't used yet either. So, you know, I'll be pulling is, some is of these that out. The, in the, uh, the vendor that was over in like the uh, uh, back corner. Uh, yeah, the back corner area with that long table. Yep. That's that's where I got it. Yeah. You had some cool stuff. You didn't yeah. get an amplifier kit too, did you? No, they had some. I mean the RF. Oh, a linear amplifier? Yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't get that one. You know, you could probably build an amplifier and put it on there, but why would you? <laughs> it was just a bad joke. That's all. Yeah. Well, at least bad. it wasn't as bad as uh, if you need to communicate <laughs> foot. There you go. Well, Peter, you've got one final email for us tonight, don't you? Yes, I certainly do. And this one's from Brenda, KB8LQY. Love the TV show and always look forward to new episodes. I have the ICOM R75 receiver, which is a very good radio, and I'm using a mobile CB antenna hook to it. Signals are awesome. My question is, I would like to get a second receiver for the Shack either the ICOM R71A or the Yaesu FRG7. Can you please tell me which one might be a good choice? Um, yeah, actually, I gave a different response before, uh, uh, I think on um, uh, by email, but I'll actually give a different one this time. Um, the I've got the Yaesu uh, FRG7 here. I've used that. Can't comment on the ICOM R71A. FRG7 is a great receiver, um, it's an old analog receiver, so there's no digital output. Uh, but many, many people have had the frogs, and they're, uh, uh, I find it a terrific receiver, nice sound, and uh, good selectivity and sensitivity. So um, uh, I, I don't think you can go wrong with the frog. But the other point I would just make is that uh, if you uh, ever want to look up a uh, an old receiver like this and, and find out whether it's any good, go to www.eham.net. And look under the product reviews section, and you'll see product reviews uh, like with these old radios uh, by uh, amateur radio operators just like yourself. And you'll get uh, lots of positive and negative comments, and you can make up your own mind. Cool. Okay, before we go, a little housekeeping to do here. You know, Tommy, we saw the um, the fine T-shirt that... Um, our friend was wearing mm-hmm. uh, Green Bay there, and also okay. our friend in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Where can you get those? You can get those at amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com. Okay. And uh, if you get if you get yours uh, and you wear it out representing, well, if you get one, please wear it out representing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, shoot us a picture of yourself, you know, wherever you go with it, and uh, you probably end up on the show. Yeah, it's a very good chance. I think. Uh, well, almost everyone who sent us a picture is yeah, everyone has made lately it to for show. sure. Yeah, everyone lately for sure. Yep. And, and if you wait around long enough, and you're part of the show, and you submit segments for like five years, they seem to show up in the in the, in the mail. They're slow, but they get there. Yeah. For the right price. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> uh, you know, we also have a good time on social media. We've got a Facebook group and a Google Plus community where you can uh, uh, communicate with us. And a lot of lot of fine folks in there. Yeah, the, a, good a lot of people go on there, you know, ask for help if they're having some type of a radio or computer mm-hmm. problem or whatever. Posted a lot of a lot of friendly people, a lot of very helpful friendly people on there. Yeah, on all those both of those groups there. So uh, check those out. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at Amateur Logic. Yeah, and we've got our wiki. You know, Dan was on here. Okay? You haven't watched the yeah, New Year's I haven't episode seen it yet. yet. I'm gonna have to go watch it. Yeah, Dan and not LVS who does our wiki for us was with us on the New Year's episode. We had we had too good a time. Were you with us while Dan was here, Emil? No, I, I had to cut out, but I'm going to say something about that. To this day, I use that wiki to go and search for prior episodes and their subjects because he put some work into that. Yeah. Yeah, he, he does a really nice job on it. And you know what? The truth is, if somebody asks us which which uh, show something's in, that that's where we go. I know yeah. I do. I go straight there. Yeah. yeah me too. So uh, thanks for that, Dan. Uh, yeah, I know... Um, Peter was here when Dan was here, and uh, Mike was too. And we were having too much fun there for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. And, uh, yeah, Dan's good value. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I got a kick out of hearing, uh, who was it, Amanda's other half? What, what, Jeff? Jeff. It- yeah. Yeah, he, that was a kick. Yeah, Jeff was was real good too. Uh, yeah, Amanda from Ham Nation. You know, we yeah. had her come on and yeah, I saw I saw them on there in the uh, in the little clip you sent me of the yeah. half speed theater stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna go back and watch that. I, I kind of hate I missed all that. Yeah. We we uh, we got Jeff to talk. Oh really? On the show. Man, I, I wanted to get on so, so bad, but I was so jet lagged. I felt like I was drugged. I couldn't just I couldn't even function. Yeah. So, but anyway, I hate I missed it. Oh, we could have saved money on wine. I was probably talking slow motion <laughs> even more than that. <laughs> okay, if you hadn't checked it out, go check out those uh, New Year's Eve episodes. I think you'll find they're uh, quite entertaining. Little, little different style show. Well, thanks for being here with us again uh, this month for our Friday the 13th recording. Yeah. Um, Happy 13th to you. Happy, Happy thir- 100th. Happy 100th. Yeah, we hadn't said much about that, but this is the 100th episode of Amateur Logic. Yep. 11 years. Yep. We appreciate everyone who's been uh, following along and watching. Yeah, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of you have been out, been with us since day number one. Mm -hmm. And And I really appreciate all of you. um, I looked up uh, the number of Star Trek episodes that were actually ever produced in the original series, and I think it was 79. So we've actually topped. Uh, the number of episodes that they produced. There you go. Bring out the yeah. shag carpet monster and the communicators. <laughs> <laughs> they, well, we got the communicators. Yep. Yep. All right. Uh, thanks for everyone for being here. Tommy, any final words? No. We'll see you next time. Come join us in a couple of weeks for Ham College if, uh, if you're around. Yeah. Email. Any final words? Live Stay long. Cheap. Live Stay long. Cheap. <laughs> Live cheap and prosper, is that? <laughs> Live cheap and prosper. <laughs> uh, Peter? Uh, yes, and uh, likewise. Live long and prosper. I can't quite do this properly. That's but, a, uh, anyway, 73 is everybody. Come on, that's a prerequisite to being on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Calisthenics. Uh, uh, cal- All right, there you yeah. go. <laughs>
very difficult. There's a lot of nerddom around here, man. Yeah. <laughs> Seven three. <laughs> Seven three, everybody. Can live on the wild side. Yeah, you know, MFJ's got more ham radio accessories than. Let me say that again. I don't. I, I can see Mike playing that back in half speed theater and then. Okay, Emil, you've got a. What? You've got a Facebook. Pick up. Reflected power, SWR, and battery loss all. Uh, because really. I was hoping for a little more than a foot. Yeah, I, I could see where that would have been a little bit of a disappointment. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll you, be th- if you wanted to send messages a foot, though, that's the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could talk louder. But Can you tell it's getting late? And you can power that with either AAA batteries. And it also, uh, no, not that.